0: Welcome to Maximizing Life in the Middle, a podcast featuring two people consciously living and loving as husband and wife, parents, and individuals working to make the most out of their lives. I'm Jay Taylor.
1: And I am Aaron Taylor. And we are so happy that you are spending some time with us today. Life in the Middle podcast for episode 17, which is part two of our what's wrong with youth sports today.
0: You really twisted up the intro there. And we say, welcome to episode 17.
1: Hmm.
0: So when last we spoke about youth sports, we had promised, or I had uh, be in my bonnet, as they say, uh, about doing a walkthrough about what what goes on in the heads of each of the respective players in that little drama
1: or what maybe goes on because i don't think we can know individually we can only assume and we could be completely off base
0: right and so you know it becomes an interesting thing to to start to to think about like you know who are the players or, and I mean players. I don't mean players on the field. I mean, who are the players in the little thing? You've got...
1: The players in the drama.
0: Yeah. You've got... you got the coach.
1: The actors in the scene.
0: Yeah. you got the coach of the team.
1: Both teams.
0: Both teams. You have the ref. Ref in soccer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ref. you got the Lao parents on the sideline.
1: Well... The parents on both sides.
0: Well, yeah. But, I, mean, I I not categorize
1: them as loud or not.
0: Well, I mean, I was From going to this, categorize them because you've got the parents who are making a fuss. You've got the parents who are on their team who are not making a fuss. And then you've got the parents who are on our, you know, the team that we were there with or another team, let's say, in a scenario like this. And then you actually have, here we go again with the players... On the field. The
1: actual, the whole reason anyone's there in the first place.
0: Right. And, you know, obviously both sides of that to two different teams of, of players there. And so <clears throat> I remember thinking when we were having the last podcast about, you know, like how how a little thing like that plays out. And so... The one that, that immediately jumped to mind, and I mean, I've seen this so many times, especially it seems like in the youth soccer and the youth baseball movement, you know, or, you know, movements, the youth baseball leagues and stuff like that, is the first thing that jumped out is the ref. And sometimes, you know, refs for these sports are older adults, clearly been doing it for a while, probably very competent. Probably very um, you know they've just been they, they've had some <coughs> they've had some experience um, but then other times and I again I feel like it, I've seen this a lot in baseball, and I feel like I've seen it a lot in soccer. The refs might be kids
1: they might be just a few years older than the kids who are on the field yeah. we have we've had many high school refs in our games, well, our, I'm always careful. I try to be careful not to say our games unless I'm somehow involved with the team. And when I said our games, I meant when I was coaching our games, but, um, yeah, that could take us down a whole different path. So for now, I'll just say I have seen in our kids games that the refs were sometimes only five years older than them when they were, as they're playing because <coughs> they are doing this as a part-time job in high school.
0: Right. And how does that, you know, how does that, um, kid experience and deal with what is, you know, but what they may call out and see is a very difficult situation. But honestly, at the end of the day, they're there to make their 10 bucks an hour or whatever they're getting paid per game to do it. They want to get there and then they want to get out and they want to go get in their car and they want to go hang out with their friends and do whatever. Maybe they want to go play soccer and not watch a bunch of 10-year-olds run around, not really be very, very good at it. So, you know, the first thing that sort of jumped out at me as you were talking about that was that, you know, and again, I I wasn't at this game, so I don't know. The ref might have been an older person or the ref might have been a younger person, but –
1: well, I'll tell you, but what do you think based on what you know of what happened in that game? Do you think the ref was older or younger?
0: And let me also be very clear to say that I've also seen scenarios where the ref is an older person, but doesn't seem any more adept at controlling the game than.
1: Yeah, there's a, a younger person. Some younger be. people are boom, boom, boom. Right. They are so strict, and they don't let anything get out of hand. Some some younger ones are more liberal, and some older ones are right. more strict, some are more liberal. So there's a spectrum of ages and liberal to strict
0: right. as but, a ref. But there might be some potential that if a ref was older and a parent on the sideline was really getting out of hand, that they might feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, there's, generally speaking, in most youth sports these days, there's something posted that says... You know,
1: this is a game. And this is, is a game. Don't
0: get out of hand, or we'll eject you from the facility. Yeah, I've seen it certainly in baseball. I don't know about you know soccer fields, but I think probably I I've seen it in took some. A
1: picture. I actually took a picture of that sign for that game the next day. That right. ga- that that game happened on a Saturday. And we were at a different field on Sunday, and I took a picture of it to put with my blog that I wrote about it.
0: Yeah. So, in this so in this scenario, I'm going to guess it might have been a younger person. Um, I'm going to guess that maybe they started to see or sense the energy rising there, but didn't really address it. Um, but I don't know. So.
1: Interesting that it was an older white man.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: So, um I can't even speak to why he was more tolerant about the behavior. What his, you know, I, I can't speak to whether he was having, just having a, a day where he just wasn't feeling the need to call out these players or whether he had done so much of that in the prior day that he was tired. Or whether it's just not his way or what, but Who knows? he yeah. did not, he did not get a handle on the behavior on the sidelines or even on the field for that matter.
0: Right. So there's a lot, you know, so again, but there's, so there's a bunch of perspectives that, a, a an official at a sporting event might have in a scenario like this. And there may be others that we're not thinking of,
1: but I think that point also has to be made for, for refs that they're just human. A lot of the pushing and shoving and uh, physical aggression that was going on on the field happened to be going on between two players, or from one player to another one, not who were not in possession Away of the ball. From the ball so he was watching the action, which yeah. I think is what the ref should do. I've never been a soccer ref, but I would think that if you're going to put your focus anywhere, which you can't necessarily have it in three places at once, you need to be watching the ball. so he right? just didn't see. Some of the aggression that was happening on yeah. the field, but the parents and the other coaches could because we might not have been looking at the ball at the moment. Right. We might have been watching our kid or our friend's kid or what have you
0: so then there's the demeanor of the players
1: so you know? I think in this situation the ump i mean the ref simply didn't see the what was happening on the field and then why he chose not to address the parents at out of Line, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I gotta imagine that if you're a I mean, if you're a ref on the field of a soccer game, you can feel the energy rising in the
1: but I will on say, the sidelines. But I will say that the energy rose as the clock dwindled down. Gotcha. The parents weren't acting like buffoons Fair in way. the first fifteen minutes of the game. It was just and it was a close game. It was it ended up Nippon being top, I think right. three to two. And then our kids scored a goal as he was blowing the whistle, or a millisecond after he blew the whistle, so he didn't count it. So the end score was 3-2, to two, I think. Uh, but they ha- they were only winning by one. So, so it was tight. It was tight, and as the time was ticking, the parents... And so it was a tied game right up to the end. And in a tournament, you don't play in overtime. You just go with a tie. Right. So the parents were getting ramped up higher and higher mm. as the time ticked down.
0: So kind of sticking with the idea of moving from the field to the to the sidelines you know the players in the game you know and I I think you were very uh, complimentary to how the boys who play on our son's team handled things during the game and that they you felt like that they didn't um, excuse the expression turtle up
1: Well, maybe a tiny bit they did turtle up because they're not used to that kind of behavior in our league. But they certainly didn't stoop to that level and they didn't, you know, start tripping people and shoving people.
0: Right. So they didn't rise to meet force with force, but they also... um,
1: I know our son turtled up, but that's because he's completely... Shell, he was completely shell shocked by it,
0: right, but some of the other kids kind of just kept playing their game, stayed aggressive but not inappropriately
1: aggressive signed. in terms of their own play, but not aggressive to another player right They tried so hard, they yeah. really did
0: and you know how do you how do, you know maybe one of the most important lessons that come out of this is for those kids to understand how to play against the team that's playing that way, not
1: stoop to their stoop level. to their
0: level but still be able to function and not be triggered by it
1: i think an older like a i think the long-term uh description of that is integrity because that can apply to the workplace when you're older and all kinds of situations where something inappropriate might be going on inappropriate you know someone's Uh, taking the low road so to speak and whatever that looks like in that situation do you stoop to their level or do you maintain your own sense of integrity and do things the way you want to do them and so i think that's the way they played that game was with their own integrity intact
0: so then let's talk about the other team and you know what's kind of going on in their heads and there's a famous, um, well, there's a bunch of famous quotes that are associated with you know teams, but you know one when when things like this or when teams that play like this come to mind, I always think in terms of the Oakland Raiders, um, you know, and why? Because the Oakland Raiders were through the '70s and '80s, and uh, you know I, th- I think they still kind of have some of this um associated with the team but they i I don't know if they're not as prominent a team as they were at that time and so whatever but you know like i think it's from that team that you know sort of um if you ain't cheating you ain't trying comes uh just win baby you know these are famous
1: gosh i never even heard of that these
0: are famous <laughs> mottos or famous uh, euphemisms that i think were associated with the team and basically you know they they were sort of like an outlaw kind of football team they sort of approach things from a standpoint of you know you just do whatever it takes to win winning isn't ends, winning isn't winning isn't everything means. winning isn't everything it's the only thing
1: Right. And And, and some people definitely have that mindset.
0: And that is a definitive mindset. And many times, especially in sports contexts, you know, it's, it's discussed. And as a society in the sporting world, we trumpet winners. We lionize victory.
1: Yeah, we, we trumpet the winners and, and we, you know, I've been thinking about sports recently in terms of the political unrest, you know, comparing it to the political unrest in our country and and the division that I see and everything. And I think there's so much good to be said about sports, um, integrity, um, working through a challenge, pushing yourself, committing, achieving, rising to the occasion. You know, there's endless good things that Athletes can learn and practice on the field and off. But I also think that, you know, you know that I'm always touting this idea of we're all one, oneness. Sure. And we don't have to be black or white or male or female or this team or that team or boy or girl or whatever. We, we are all a human race. And I sure. know that's a cliche, but it's actually true. You know, I think people spend so much time looking for how they're different from another person rather than really de- digging deep and searching for how they might be similar. And I think that sports, for all the good that it that it that there is to suck out of a sporting event or being on a team or being an athlete, for all the good that there is inherent in it, it also it also kind of encourages My team versus your team. I'm better than you. We hate... I hate that other team. We hate the arch rival. Like, that's ridiculous. And I know, like, high school is a thing. The high school hates the arch rival. Whoever decided that the other high school, high school X, is the arch rival of high school Y, (coughs) probably happened (coughs) decades ago, but... I, we, at High School X, hate High School Y. Right. Well, your best friend might go to High School Y. Your future spouse might go to High School Y. Who do you, how do you even know? You cannot hate a group because you just don't even know any of the individuals.
0: Yeah. The nature of sport is one of division.
1: But yet, but yet within that. That one, that division is teamwork, camaraderie, supporting each other, communication. You know, how do I pass? Are you open? How do you tell me you're open? How do you help me? There's, there's, there's unity inside of the division. There's unity
0: inside the division, but it is ultimately, the whole idea of sport means that it's, you know, some competition some way through some mechanism to arrive at a A victor. A victor and a lose, you know, a victor and a loser, Victor and loser. I don't know if they go together, but anyway, winner and loser, Victor and something else. Um, and so, so yeah, so it, it, it is almost in many respects antithetical to the idea of we all are one because we all can't be one because we have to have that, that winning and losing thing. So, you know, it, it does fly a little bit in the face of that but back to where we were talking about of, you know, winning with honor or, or winning with integrity. Um, but there is a counter point, counter argument, one that certainly neither of us probably would want to adhere to. But certainly there is a, a wealth of examples out there of no. The, the, the point of the sport is to win. To win. And that, and, you know, the, the idea of if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Meaning, if you're not pushing every rule and breaking the ones you think you can get away with, then you're not Attempting to do everything you can to achieve the goal, which, if you play the sport, the goal is to win. And again, it's you're not just a suggesting
1: That's a mindset, because I would say that cheating makes your win false.
0: It, that's that's fine, but it's only cheating if you get caught.
1: No, it's cheating if it's cheating. It's cheating right. if, in your heart, so, you know you cheat. So
0: it's two different points. And so now, to bring it back to the discussion of that team, if as a team if as a coach, if as a a mindset of the people who are running that team. Now, we can apply a judgment on it, but I'm not trying to do that in this situation. We're just trying to deconstruct how you get to this scenario by reviewing it. If the team is playing under a coach who's operating from a, you play as aggressively as you possibly can, Do everything you possibly can, and when you get called on it, stop doing it because that means that they caught you, right? Then that team is playing that way. The players out there are pushing it to that level because that's maybe, again, we don't know, but that's the mantra of that team.
1: I can't remember if when we were talking in episode part one of this, if I shared this little nugget that I observed or overheard. After the game. I don't know about the coach because I didn't hear or see enough of yeah. either of their coaches to, to say, oh, they sounded like cutthroat or whatever. But I did come upon, as we were walking the parking lot, mm-hmm. did I say that you last You shared
0: time? this last time about you came upon
1: a dad, a dad, and, dad a and a
0: boy and he was... Kind of, I, I can't remember exactly, what. The, I know you brought it up. He about, was
1: riding him. Was and One of the things right. that I remembered him saying was <coughs> something about, you know, <coughs> were you playing your hardest <coughs> or whatever out there? It didn't really look like it to me. And I don't bring you to this, t- put you on this team and take you to practice every time, and blah, 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 for you to get out there and not do your, your best and not try your hardest. And he was really kind of laying into him.
0: Right.
1: So... It's, I'm, I can only infer from that, overhearing that conversation, seeing the way the parents were acting, seeing the way the boys were playing, that there is a culture, if not in that league, if not in that soccer club, at least on that team, there is a culture of win is why we're here. Nothing right. else matters. Just big integrity doesn't matter. How you win, we're not going to care <laughs> about that. But if you get out there and you don't do every single thing in your power to win, then then you've not done your job.
0: Okay. Um, so that could speak to the mindset of the other team's players,
1: or just the the atmosphere of the team. Right. In general.
0: So now we move to we get to the sidelines, right?
1: Well, I thought we were already on. The, oh, we were well, talking, about the, talking about the players in the field. You're talking about that. I was talking about the atmosphere of the team that I was kind of inferring right. from what I witnessed. And so, that atmosphere would be the coaches, the players, and the and the parents. But of course the players mindset comes from the adults of their lives. They're gonna bring they're gonna be influenced by whatever they're being taught. Sure.
0: Of course. But and again, the, the, the my my point of the exercise is and it's not to try and justify Anyone's actions, but it's an attempt to try and
1: understand it?
0: understand where it comes from or what the roots of it are. Well, you because know, I Because honestly, that. yeah, and honestly, if you just sit there and go, "Oh, you sports," and here's another example: this was my my problem at the That's beginning. That's why
1: of, you didn't want to talk about it.
0: Yeah, because it just feels like.
1: Ugh. And but we if you certain, well, we certainly don't want to just beat a yeah. dead horse and lament all the woes of. And problems in the world, we want to say, well, okay, let's notice them and now what can we do about
0: yeah. it? Yeah. So let's talk about and, and and the first thing I want to talk about is um
1: well let me say something. God. Because this is what can we do about it? I was very triggered after that game. Mm-hmm. I don't usually get angry about you know me, I don't usually get angry about stuff. And so when I get angry I try to not respond, react to anything before I first... Well, I try not to react. I try to always respond. Not always perfect, but that's my <coughs> mindset. That's my goal. <coughs> I try to not react when I feel triggered and rather look at that trigger and why am I so upset about this and what is going on and, and what, what can be done about this. And so when I, when I was like, I was writing my blog posts in my head as I was watching the game. Cause that's kind of what happens to me when in, in, intense things happen. I start writing in my head and I can't wait to get to a computer, but I said in my head while I was, as I was thinking about this blog post and writing it in my head, I was thinking, I'm going to. I was seeing myself writing the name of the team. I'm going to call these people out on their behavior. I was really angry, and it's very unusual for me. But, of course, I made sure that there was a gap of time between my thoughts and my actions. So by the time I sat down to write that post, I made sure not to call the team out because... When we come across someone who, someone or a group of people who has a mindset that is very divisive and confrontational and argumentative and very closed minded, which is the ways I would describe these people on this team, calling them out does nothing to help them see anything of their behavior. It only makes them more solidified and more entrenched in them being right and me being a man be pan be woo woo fairy in the meadow and so um i decided not to use their name and call them out and hope that rather somehow if someone i mean those people are so entrenched in their mindset it seems to me that it would be difficult to pull them out of it or help them to see that being there is maybe not the best place to be but if there's someone listening who may have just kind of dip their toe into that area of acting like that or adopting a mindset like that. Maybe they'll see through our conversation that that's not necessarily the most helpful way to behave as a parent or the most helpful mindset to offer to our kids or as a coach or what have you.
0: so what so let's talk about that though what those parents who came with that mindset who have that quote unquote mindset like where are they coming from and i you know so this is more of this deconstruction idea right
1: you mean geographically
0: no i don't mean geographically i mean like what approach does that person have in their head and I so it's like thinking about like the dads, like the folded arm dads sitting there watching and going, no, standing there, standing there, right, <sighs> right. What I what I imagine, like one of the first things I sit there and think about is, well, you know, maybe they're all former players. Uh,
1: maybe entirely possible. Maybe
0: they all are experienced soccer players, and they are watching their team play and perceptually, whether they're right or wrong, feel like the team is not playing as well as they should be.
1: They're watching with a more critical eye than a parent who's just sitting there on the sidelines.
0: Right. I've, I've watched volleyball for as our nieces have played it.
1: And our son, and
0: even to a lesser extent with our son, though I have a fairly good relationship with the coach of, of his team. But I've watched other scenarios with our nieces, and I've sat there in. I've never, I don't think, ever been like these people, but I've been internally.
1: Yeah, you keep a lid on it, but I can see you like squirming in just, your in the bleachers and
0: yeah, oh. <laughs> bemoaning things that seem to me. If you understood if, – if a coach has a background in the game and understands the game at a reasonably competent level, that wouldn't happen. But, you know, that's not – I'm not coaching that team. It's not for me to say. It's not for those parents to say.
1: But these parents weren't – these parents were not riding any actions on the coach's part.
0: That you know of. You're seeing one snapshot of a game –
1: But I'm saying, in what I observed, there there was no focus on what their coach was doing wrong. It was a focus on what their kids weren't doing right or how the ref was favoring our team.
0: Yes. Now, and so then let's get to, you know, so then let's deconstruct some more of that, right? Because I was going to get there. These parent, this team, we were driving from 10 minutes away. This team was coming from somewhere closer to an hour away yes this was a tournament weekend so it was three days so they maybe probably they spent were...
1: the night in a hotel maybe they drove back and forth Maybe with... they
0: drove back and forth.
1: Maybe they had multiple kids playing in the league or in the tournament.
0: maybe the prior game they had lost.
1: Right, or they brought were, whatever baggage from the prior game. Right, they brought baggage from... The
0: from they could have brought baggage from the road. They could have brought baggage from the game. They could have brought baggage from the entire season.
1: Or they could have brought baggage from their home.
0: From anywhere.
1: But that would have been a more individual thing. This was like a team atmosphere. So something was going on.
0: Right. And so, you know, these are different things that are at play in this in this kind of of element. And then... When you get, you know, because I I don't th- I don't uh, identify with that kind of parent, but I sort of feel like uh, you, you know, don't identify it's dad meaning
1: you don't you don't
0: I wouldn't identify with that see type yourself
1: of, as that type of person. as that type
0: of dad, but I can see. I feel like I've seen other dads and could be slightly empathetic in some regards to what those kind of dads are going through and dealing with. And then if you get two or three of them who are of the same ilk together now, you know, because we're always emboldened by yeah. an echo chamber
1: Back right?
0: If you go on the Internet and everybody on the Internet has exactly the same viewpoint, uh, politically, as you do, well, then of course, it makes you more strident
1: it in must your you're right,
0: yes. Clearly, exactly. everyone agrees, with everybody me. agrees with me. So,
1: those few people who don't, oh my gosh, what's wrong with them,
0: right? And, and it emboldens you to be more, and that's
1: on both sides, by the yeah. way, or all sides,
0: right? Emboldens you to be more, uh, again, entrenched
1: you see, in your entrenched, thought.
0: strident, and vocal, yes. So, if these four dads are sitting there and then. You know, the game's progressing. Halfway through, one of the dads goes, man, they are really... They're not... They're
1: off their game.
0: No, no, not they're off their game. Man, they are really... They're letting that team... That, oh, man, that, what was that play? They let that kid get away with that? And then the next dad sees another play that happens, and then the third oh, dad sees ridiculous. it. And what are by they the,
1: doing? Yeah.
0: And by the time that mix just keeps swirling up and swirling up and swirling up, oh, and if they are... Up. So then if they do have that slightly more intense confrontational side, and then it's compounded by this swirl. They're of, off of each other. Yes, right, exactly. And so then suddenly it becomes... Well,
1: I will say that they were physically removed from the rest of the parents. The rest of the parents were all lined up on the edge of the sideline in their chairs, and these dads were 10 feet behind, standing up, very close to each other with arms crossed. Right. So, so, so there might be might have been something. I didn't notice any or hear any inappropriate, out of line behavior from the parents who were on the sideline in the chairs. It was only that small group that was in the back.
0: Right. And but so,
1: the dad who was admonishing his kid afterwards was not one of those dads.
0: Right. And he might very well be. You know. So now we start to get into like all something. Sub- like super supposition time, right? Yeah, but, we're just
1: totally making stuff up. This but could be right But it's or wrong.
0: fun. But it's so much fun, right? That dad might be sitting there going, "Man, you know those other dads are," and he might be, he might be, and I'll, I'll, because I feel like I've said stuff like that before to our kids. I know I have. Yes,
1: yeah, so right. You feel the pressure of your kid not not pulling his yeah, share of the right. weight on such an intense team,
0: and then all of a sudden you find yourself saying stuff to your kid like.
1: You need to practice more. I Why aren't you doing this? I
0: didn't bring you here so that you could just stumble around. Like you need to work at this. You need to you need to give all your maximum effort. What are you doing? Right? So yeah, let's talk about like what about the other parents on the team, right? Like it may very well be, you know, so we sit there and we think about the dynamics. Is this maybe this is a regular occurrence? And maybe it's that Great if those three guys are standing up there, arms folded, and I'm really you know, we're really spinning the tail here, but
1: Right, so this you, could be totally completely science fiction. Who cares? Let's just pretend for a moment.
0: Let's pretend their three boys are the best three boys on the team.
1: Okay. I mean that uh, yeah, it could be right over whatever.
0: I I I actually I don't think it's science fiction. I bet you they are. And I bet you that the other parents who are sitting on the sideline are sitting there going. God, those guys are such...
1: Annoying people. Buffoons.
0: But we put people. up with
1: them because their kids are the best But on their team. kids
0: are really good. And I
1: wish they, they kind of seem like
0: they know what they're talking about about soccer when we have discussions. They're always very forceful with their opinions. And their kids are good. God, I really just wish they would shut up. But I'm not going to say anything to them. I don't know. I don't know anything about soccer.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. You... you You offer a totally different perspective on that team than I was thinking that day and Mm -hmm. and in subsequent days. And when we were going back to the car, I was actually so deep in thought in conversation with our son who was still reeling from this experience that I walked by people that are friends of ours and I didn't even see them. And we got like 50 feet past them. And our son said, Mom, did, did you see who was back there? And I said, No. And I turned around. Oh, my gosh we haven't seen them for a long time. So, I was completely in the zone on this conversation. But I thought about that and I I even said to him, "If you if you played on a team that was like that, like those players, like those parents, what would you do?" And he said, "I wouldn't want to play on that team. There's no way. If I was on that team, I'd ask you to t- take me off." And I thought as a parent, if I if my kid wanted to play soccer, or a travel level, and I lived in a town that that was the atmosphere of the the league or the club, what would I do? And I thought about it, and I thought, no, you know what? I feel so strongly about the toxicity that I witnessed at that game, that if I had to drive my kid an extra 20 minutes to get to a club that had a different mentality, I would do that. Even if that club had less of a winning record, that doesn't even matter to me. I want my kid to play sports, to have fun, to grow as as an athlete in that sport, to learn all the life skills that we talked about, integrity, commitment, hard work, achieving your goals, whatever, all that stuff. And so I would not want my child on that team. There's too much toxicity. And he wouldn't want it either.
0: Sure. But some kids might thrive on it right our kid doesn't our kid wouldn't we know that
1: well we know a child you probably aren't thinking about him at the moment but we know a child who thrives on competition and his parents actually have to work to to tone it down a little bit because sometimes he gets so competitive he can actually offend his friends they'll just be playing a friendly game of whatever and he takes it to the nth level and then ends up hurting people's feelings. And right. then they don't want to play with him.
0: And so the kid that's like that
1: And that's just natural, that's in born in him.
0: Yeah. A kid like that might embrace that kind of an environment and it might spur him to
1: But can we be can we be in an environment where you can be ultra competitive and you don't have to have toxicity like that?
0: I d I don't know. I mean I, I you know, I'm a coach. I I think I do a good job of trying to get kids in a competitive spirit to try and maximize what they can do, to try and play with integrity. I don't coach at the national team level. I didn't play at the national team level. I didn't play at, you know... Uh, professional, high level, professional level. I mean, you know, I could sort of jokingly say I'm semi-pro, but I didn't play at a professional level, but I know people who do. I know people who, who have played at those levels and, you know, uh, steel sharp and steel. Like these are, these are expressions that, that are out there. Like, you know, kind of in that crucible of fire, in that, in that intense kind of.
1: I think the competition at higher levels is even more intense.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Like that But does it have to be
1: toxic? Well, I Like, mean, I don't know enough to say, right? Maybe you would know more well, than like, I do. Well, toxic
0: is a no, value I, judgment of you.
1: I know, but t- tell me what your thoughts are on this, because you probably know more than I do. The Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah, yeah. Would
1: you call that a toxic environment or would you call that an intense, there's competitive environment? There's
0: books written about it.
1: Right, see, I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's... Know. there's The Jordan Rules is a book that was written about...
1: His toxic ways or his competitive ways, I don't know. Well... Does it spill over into toxic or is it just...
0: If you win seven... That, if you win seven... Because NBA I, championships.
1: Because I've heard interviews with the guy, and I don't remember his name, who came on as their like mindfulness coach, mm-hmm. and worked with what's their head coach's name or Phil Jackson. Yeah, worked Is with that him. Master. Yeah, worked with him. Like worked directly, closely with him, and kind of. Uh, is credited somewhat with helping them to win so many championships and helping them to kind of really get their mind in the zone in order to be in the game to their highest level, that to me I again, I don't know, but that to me doesn't sound toxic, that sounds intense focused, playing at the highest level, rising to the challenge it doesn't sound like winning at all costs, cheating, trying to take out the knee of the, other, of the opposing teammate, it doesn't sound like that but again, I don't know enough to say, I just...
0: Right, and that. and we're we're very far afield in talking about a seven-time NBA championship team. And but it's
1: a good philosophical question.
0: Ten-year-old boy soccer. Can you be competitive
1: without being toxic? And I would say yes.
0: Define, but at what level? And and here's the issue... Do you
1: issue. think every... Every professional winning team, every Olympic team, every pro sports team, do you think everyone who wins a championship title is sneaky, underhanded, cheating, taking people out, um, being aggressive when the ref isn't looking? No. No, I don't think that's true.
0: Right. And that's, that's that Oakland Raiders mentality thing I was talking about. But what I'm saying is absent all those things you might still describe the environment as toxic
1: well yes but toxic is a is a judgmental value opinion based thing you, but
0: you might find it
1: mother teresa would say any might say anything in right. sports is toxic so i guess what does toxic really mean you right. don't have to describe and that, that's my
0: point is to say that um So I know, I have a very close relationship with a professional volleyball player. And he is, you know, he's a rising star in the professional volleyball player ranks. Listening, uh, uh, being in a uh, practice and competitive environment uh, around him and against him. Is, uh, can be difficult. Uh, difficult it's not the right word. It, you might describe it as at times toxic. And this is the Michael Jordan thing. Michael Jordan is famous, absolutely famous, for tearing apart his teammates in practice verbally, abusive, like verbally abusive. We're talking about professional basketball. We're talking about, you know...
1: Not 10-year-old soccer, I know. Yeah,
0: we're talking about people who a lot of times come from urban environments, you know, difficult situations, all that kind of stuff. And just in general, the discourse is probably, is, you know...
1: Well, it's certainly, we're going to say it's certainly worse than a 10-year-old travel soccer team in a podunk area like ours. But Michael
0: Jordan is famous, famous... For just tearing apart players who are trying to guard him and play with him in practice as he,
1: quote-unquote, tears be their
0: hearts out. Because in that environment...
1: He wants them to be better. He
0: is making them better by by challenging them on every... Physically, of course, because he's super was super physically gifted. But mentally, the mental toughness of having to deal with that. And to a lesser extent... You know, I'm I'm not equating my my friend with Michael Jordan, but to a lesser extent, I've seen him. It's the exact same kind of thing, where in game he is he will taunt, he will he will ridicule, he will
1: himself, his teammate, or the other side, the
0: opponent, the ref? his teammate. Uh, at times, he will he will mouth off to refs. Um, in an attempt to get the next call in an attempt to and it's not like he's doing this in a vacuum and nobody else does this. I mean this sports is is full of people who do this. I'm not saying it's right.
1: Can I'm you come not come saying there's examples. not
0: another path. Yeah,
1: can you come up with examples of famous high achieving athletes who don't Conduct themselves Yeah, way?
0: many, I'm sure, right? You know, uh, immediately the first name that sprang to my mind, because we were talking about Michael Jordan, was Grant Hill. And I'm not a fan of Duke, actually. I, I, I like North Carolina not Duke. But, but
1: we're all one. Duke and know. North Carolina are still part of the other race.
0: <coughs> we're all, all were the same. One. But, you know, always considered to be somebody who was uh, more walked out of their path right that that you're talking about maybe that that more noble path but but the point is <coughs> and i've listened to various people talk about this and i again don't have the experience of having been in it as a coach or a player but i've listened to enough people talk about it that i believe that probably as you get to those those ramping up levels that it does have to get so competitive that somebody looking at it, not even Mother Teresa, but somebody looking at it from your perspective, would describe the environment, to use that word that you used, as toxic. Not in that, that Oakland Raiders way. Not in that win-it-all-cost-cheat-if-you-can-get-away-with-it way. But just as the environment and the energy itself. And the problem is, the problem Is when you say, okay, that's the environment when you're trying to compete to be the very best in the world. Mm
1: -hmm. And we're talking about 10-year-old soccer. But
0: now we draw it all the way back down to here. Ground level. To 10-year-old soccer. But the people who are sitting there on the sidelines with arms folded, dads who are so much invested in their son's soccer. Soccer. Right? Career, yeah. Who's their son's soccer career and maybe are not viewing their kids objectively or whatever the case may be, but are trying to insert that level of competitiveness, drive, toxicity, whatever term you want to use it, and imprinting it on sports at that level. And therein, I think, is, is one of the, the central difficulties of this whole thing. I, I, As somebody who plays sports at a reasonably high level, I have always done everything I can to not invest myself in my kids' sports.
1: Yes. And, you know, that's a whole other conversation that we'll have to save for another day, but... Yeah. Um... You know, the concept of living vicariously living vicariously through your kids and their things or hoping that they will achieve greater and further than you did as a parent, that's never a good mindset to have or a goal or a reason yeah. for participating right. in anything. Um, the other thing I wanted to add was uh, how my friend John O'Sullivan always says, you know, a lot of parents will say, Well, we're trying to get a scholarship here. I mean, we're paying $3,000 a season for my kid to be on that elite soccer team at 11 years old because Johnny's going to college and he's going to need a scholarship. Well, he tells parents straight up, take that $3,000 and go to Atlantic City or Las Vegas and put it on black. Because you have a better chance of winning there than you do of guaranteeing your kid a right. scholarship, no matter what elite team you play on, no matter how many trainers you get, no matter how many practices you force them through, no matter how much personal training you get for them or coaching or whatever, because you know there's like a million kids who play travel soccer between the ages of ten and fifteen or whatever, and then there's like point three percent of them go on to play professional soccer, maybe. Uh, 0.5% of them Play at the college level or what have you You know so It's ridiculous and I think To kind of bring it back I think we we would probably both agree That we would encourage parents to Just Be careful not to get so Absorbed in your child's Sports that You lose all Perspective on life Know that y- y- Aim to encourage your kids to find the things that they enjoy doing and to to the best of your ability to support them to do it at the level that they strive to do it, whether that's recreationally, whether that's travel, whether that's elite. But make sure they're driving the bus, not you. Right. You, you let them take the lead, and if it's within your means and ability, financially, time-wise, and carpooling-wise... You support them and and let them take the lead and let them do it. Right. Because that's the most important thing. You don't know what your kid is destined for. You don't know what they're going to love. You don't know what what they love now might turn into the opposite thing later. You have no idea. Yep. So just let them take the lead and you do your best to support them in whatever that looks like. All
0: right. So for a part two, this was a pretty long episode, but...
1: But see, it's a meaty topic. It's hard to stop talking about it because I have three more things I'd like to say, but I don't want to go on and on.
0: All right. We'll hold that for the next time we revisit youth sports, which hopefully, if I have my choice, will be in, oh, I don't know, say two or three years. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be sure to talk to you soon.